was happening, everyone? Kira and Ben back again. Uh, this week, we are covering The Wicker Man. Now, we are doing the 2006 version featuring Nicolas Cage. This is not going to be the original from 1973. Ben, tell me about your history with the film. This original from 1973? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. And both of them are based on a book called The Ritual. I knew the book called The Ritual, but I did not know the first one. I just knew the one with Nicolas Cage because... It had come up, and I was like, oh, well, we'll just do that one. Yeah. No, obviously. Um, I think the Nicolas Cage one is more popular um, because, of course, Nicolas Cage. I was surprised because I had seen this movie, not like when it had first been released, but like back when I was like in high school, I had seen it. And I forgot how many people were in this movie. Yeah, there's a star-studded cast, and uh, they're just like underlying. I think it's like they're, they're the beginning of their careers, maybe. Well, not Ellen Bernstein. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Well, Ellen Bernstein's been around a while. So. She's been around a while. Uh, one thing about Ellen Bernstein, real, real quick. Um, I just saw the new Exorcist Believer recently. Horrible movie. Please do not watch it. Oh, it looked like it had so much potential. It had, Ben, it had legit so much potential, and it was so stupid. It was so bad. It was so, so bad. But Ellen Bernstein was in it. Uh, she did reprise her role from the original. And spoilies, um, they do bring back Linda Blair as well. <laughs> Uh, but it's bad. Please do not watch it. I just wanted to mention that because I saw Ellen Bernstein. I was like, she's following me around. <laughs> nice. um, all right. So back into The Wicker Man. So, yes, this is a film from 2006 uh, featuring Nicolas Cage. And it is kind of like a folk horror. I would call this a folk horror. Last week we did cover Midsummer, And off air, we were kind of talking a little bit about the similarities between the two. So I think it's really fun to lead in with this movie. So for those who don't know, The Wicker Man is a story about Nicolas Cage, who is a cop, and he is he, he gets a letter from his estranged fiance who just like up abruptly leaves him. And this letter is like, you have to help me come find my daughter. I'm on the island. I'm on Summer Isle. Like, I need your help. I need your help. Can you come? Can you come? Can you come? So obviously he comes and there's a lot of weirdness on the island. It's very female led. Everyone kind of talks in riddles. Every time he turns around, he's like left with more questions than answers. And then we get the big reveal. So we'll kind of go bit by bit. Um, but I do really want to talk a lot about the similar. Before we begin, I do want to talk about the similarities with Midsummer because I do love this like kind of idea of like communes and cults and this kind of like horror. And I know um, we had covered Hannibal Holocaust um, and then we had watched separate movies um, called Eaten Alive. And in Eaten Alive, the version that I watched or the film that I watched, they had they had a cult aspect of it as well. So I think it's really interesting how cults and horror are kind of um, synonymous sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought, I didn't really think it was cultish. I thought it was more like a medieval traditionalist. Is that something that could I, be? I could see that, but I, I do think part of, I absolutely, 100%. But I do think that there is, some level of like cult and like commune underlying oh, yeah. just yes. like with like the leaving and the coming back and like the way that they speak and their rituals and how they like worship these like pagan gods and yep. like so things like that to me felt very cultish the way that they i love how they treated men in this um i thought that was so funny you guys know me i love i love female-led horror so i love when women are in power um but I did think it was really funny how like Nicolas Cage comes and like he sees all these like like 
desolate men and he's like i need your help i need your help and then they're just like nah (laughs) they're like we're just gonna sit here and eat and pretend like nothing is going on so it is interesting i i can see why we are doing this one right after midsummer um what are some of your main similarities um that you wanted to discuss well i thought a lot of it was like um the fertility Mm -hmm. Uh, fertility played a big part in both of them absolutely Um, i also thought that uh like you said the the women empowerment over men women in dominant society like you know sort of like amazonian um i thought that was kind of like interesting you know the fact that it was like societies that are like basically surrounded by like true societies like you know what we deem as a society and these places are like tucked in the middle of these hidden like and they're actually like happening like while the whole world's going on around them this is happening in these areas so that was kind of cool and creepy and creepy, but very, very cool. And what I liked, um, one similarity, because you brought up um, fertility that I liked, was the idea that these communes and these cults are so isolated that they do have to search for outside people to keep their gene pool clean and to not have inbreeding. And I thought that was interesting. And I like my biggest similarity that I saw was the way that the women in this, spe- specifically at that final scene when we see um, Willow... And I forget Lily Sobieski's name, but Lily Sobieski, they are back into the, they're integrated back into the real world. And we see them kind of trapping and catching their next victims or their next like sperm donors, which is basically like how they view men in this. It's like, oh, you're a sperm sperm donor and we're going to sacrifice you to get our honey. (laughs) Like, because that's all, that's all Nicolas Cage was like, he had to be willing, he willingly had to go to the island. Um, he willingly had to enter a sexual relationship with Willow. Um, he willingly had to like look and try to rescue his daughter to get tra- like trapped. Oh yeah, that was a plot reveal, plot twist. Sorry guys, <laughs> I spoiled it. Now I have a question. Like Nicholas Cage was a cop, and at the end of the movie, they're talking to another cop. Yeah, think, yeah. Do you think that's like yeah, you know, like that's what they're searching for? Like, like do they think that that's kind of like a a more noble warrior, like a knight? Well, so that's interesting that you bring that up because there is a lot when he's talking to Sister Rose, who is the teacher, she does refer to him as Sir Knight and actually makes a lot of references and and, um, comparisons to him and Don Quixote, um, which I thought was really interesting. And I would believe that, yes, they do look for people who are deemed to have like, and I'm using air quotes, like noble professions, protection professions, and but I don't think there's any way that they could have known that James Franco was going to was in the academy unless they scoped him. Unless they scoped him, and they absolutely could have. I mean, I don't know how much research into the real world these guys do. If like they have like the whole little police, um, like catalog, and they're like, okay, who are we gonna find? You know, I think you know the Don Quixote reference is kind of cool because Don Quixote was delusional about his like what he saw and what he believed, and so was Nicholas Cage. So was Nicholas Cage. Yeah. But at what point was Nicolas Cage delusional versus like being coerced? Yeah, uh, well, he did have that accident, the traumatizing accident yeah. that made him like. Was it real though? Like, I'm kind of confused by all that because was there the girl in the in the car that blew up, or was there not? Because there's a couple of scenes where he looks and there's no one, and then the lady said, "We found no one." They, well, the car was unregistered, yeah. but to me, like, I totally. I totally believe that like I can see if the movie and maybe this is an a testament to bad writing because I have never read the book. So I can't I can't speak to like the mysticism in the book. So if you guys know anything about it, please write in. Please correct us. Obviously, with that being said, I feel like they were not powerful enough because we don't see we know that they do these ritual sacrifices and we know that they have these religions and these traditions. 
but I nothing to me screams overt mysticism that would make him be able to hallucinate an accident like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, just like it, the way they do it, it makes you think that something else is going on. Like, like, because they're like, oh, there was no one in the car. And then like, it's just like, was it was it set up by these people to make him see this little girl and like want to seek out this other girl to help? I mean, you know, was it plotted? Like, was this, because the little girl like throws the thing out into the street and, uh, and then all of a sudden she throws it again and then the, the truck hits. Like, was it, was it set up to be like a, a, a ploy to get him into, the, into coming to this cult? I mean, I don't, I don't know. See, I go back and forth with this one because I, I, don't, I don't believe so because I don't think the cult had mystic powers like that. Like, I don't think that they were witches like that. You know what I mean? Like, if we were in Suspiria, which we had just covered, where they actually, the witches actually make the therapist hallucinate that he's with his wife to lure him to the um, building in this you have like because there's no way I don't know I mean maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong maybe they are powerful enough and I'm just like conflating the two but I don't I don't believe so because I believe that there's no way that they could have controlled that from the outside right unless they decided to sacrifice someone of their self without registering the car and without finding the bodies and I mean we did see the car blow up so it was very it was very plausible that they just burned alive yeah yeah that I, I can see it I mean it's just like the whole thing seemed like uh, it, it was set up for him to like envision this girl and help him so yeah maybe it was just his mind like his mind had snapped from the, the incident and um you know caused him to want to be the, the guy at night because Don Quixote's mind it snapped um and that's why he became you know who he was he saw you know like the giant which was the windmill and he like his mind played tricks on him and maybe nicholas's cages after the accident did the same to him so oh absolutely absolutely i just don't think that they caused it i think that it was a catalyst that helped him get there to the island like maybe if he felt like he could like since he couldn't save this one girl in the car he could save this missing girl on the island um they're both like young and blonde and you know what i'm saying i i mean i don't know though you guys watch it. Tell us what you think. Um, obviously, we can have different interpretations of a movie. That's why we have this podcast. So, yeah, I thought and then I thought it was like, I don't know. It was very interesting. I loved. I don't know. I just don't think the witches were as powerful as that, because then I feel like they could have had stronger magic to like keep him on the island and like to keep things better versus like, oh, like physically like. I felt like there was a lot of physicality to like what they were doing, like actually like killing and actually tying up Ronan to make him think that they were going to sacrifice her. Like they did a lot of things that like is man-made versus like metaphysical. Yeah, I see it. Like in the one movie, it's like actual magic. And this one is more illusion. Uh, they use illusion and tricks and mirrors to try and make it look some- like something. Like even they, they say it, like, they say, we got you. We made you think this. We made you think that, you know, and he's just staring at him like, what the hell's going on? And then, you know, the girl that was his fiance, you know, he looks at her and he's like, you know, and she's like, she has no emotion, no caring. She's clearly, she's part of it. And she's like, you know, the leader, not the leader, but the, the tavern. No, it was the leader says, um, Oh, my daughter. And he's like, your daughter, you know? So like, it's, you could see like the, the, the brainwashing of the society on these people where like no one out on the outside matters. It doesn't matter what kind of physical relationship you have with them. Like the only thing that matters is the cult. Absolutely. And that's why this is a cult, because you have that brainwashing cemented into you. 
I think, but I do think everything was very planned. And I think all the words that they used, even though it seemed like they may have been like tripping over their words and like revealing things that they weren't supposed to, I think it was all very intentional. This scene I'm directly referencing is when Nicolas Cage is talking to Sister Rose and she's like, oh, she will be burned. And he was like, will be burned? Like she, he notices the tense change. And she's like, no, she is burned. So I think that that was sort of like a ploy to be like, oh, she's still alive and you, there's a chance that you could save her. And I think that is like those subtle manipulation tactics that they are using to kind of move his thinking. And I think Willow was a big part of that because she's like, oh, I came back. And it's like, OK, well, why would you come back? Like, there's no reason why you would come back if you didn't ag- align with the ideals of the cult. So I thought her kind of deceit towards Nicolas Cage was very interesting. And then even at the end when it's revealed that she is the daughter of Summer's Isle and Ronan is her daughter and this is all a ploy and this is like how they how they do things to sacrifice men in the Wicker Man so they can have their honey and like, okay. So, okay, besides that, one thing I wanted to say is I thought when we saw that six months later, I thought it was going to be because they were successfully selling honey, like not because they were trying to find another victim. I was like watching, I was like, oh, the honey came back. The magic worked. (laughs) But, and then I don't know. So I thought it was funny. It's kind of silly, goofy time. Nicolas Cage is all over the place with his acting. He does like the, I'm brooding and then I'm screaming. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was very silly. Um, but I do, I, I did like, like, I don't know. I feel like too with all these like folk horrors and with this like earthy sort of pagan things, like obviously everything comes from the earth and we have to worship like all of the animals. But the like use of animal masks, I think is like so crazy. Also, Another <laughs> relation to Midsummer is when Nicolas Cage gets into the bear costume to um, invade the um, to invade and like kind of sneak into the parade. I was like, oh, my God, Christian was in a bear costume, too. They both burned alive. <laughs> yeah, I 100 percent caught that, too. I was like, oh, oh, a bear costume bear. I mean, you know, because it's supposed to be strength. And um, I thought a, a good reference, too, was the fact that like the, the main source of, of everything was honey. And, you know, it's a queen. The queen is the most dominant uh, in the hive and everything else is just drones. And, you know, uh, that's how I felt like this was the thing. Like, you know, they have the drones and then the queen. And the queen runs everything except, such as the leader of this cult. Oh, 100 percent. And I think that that imagery is very much repeated um, when he is in Summer Isles' home and he's like, where are you? Where are you? And she's like in that like very beautiful bed, kind of like very queen like and like ethereal. And you see like her ladies around her. And I think that scene was very much like, yes. And then you see like the decrepit man like in the bed as well. Like, is she using him? We see the girl covered in the bees. And I was like, that's just like for nothing. Like that means nothing. That's just like visually cool. But I thought it was really interesting. I did like all the like hive and like hexagonal sort of um, honeycomb placements that you see subtly throughout the commune like on the ground and in the walls and all this like you can tell like the bee imagery is very much there and they use this as well when they have all the bees buzzing like around them and like the background sounds so it's all very interesting it's all very cool I mean I think if the story was written better in a way that was a little bit more cohesive the movie would have been better then we would have had some answers to these unanswered questions that we're talking about um but, I mean, bad writing is bad writing. Uh, 
nothing can save that. Not even good cinematography. Not even Nicolas Cage screaming and burning alive. <laughs> but I did think it was really, I, I, it's a fun watch. It's very silly. At the end when he just starts punching every woman in the face and then he like kicks Lily Sobieski into the wall and then she like appears later. I thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, Nick Cage, you can kung fu your way out of all of this. Don't worry. But like, and then I thought it was interesting, like how you can see how these like other women like do the bidding of Summer's Isle, right? So like we see Nicolas Cage, they have the plane driver or the pilot and we see that he dies and we see that his mouth is sewn shut and like it looks very much like a ritualistic killing. And we find out that like one of these older women have done it and like who the one that owned the inn, I would kind of call her like the like second in command, right? Because it kind of felt like she was like the enforcer and like everyone went to her like the general is what I would call her to Summer Isles is like matriarchal queen. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought she was definitely one of the powerful ones in the, in the community. Um, another thing I thought that was kind of cool with the reference to the bees is like bees go out into nature and they pollinate in order for nature to flourish. You know, they get the, the pollinate and they bring the, the pollen from plant to plant to plant to, to get them to like fertilize, you know, and like this is kind of like she sends those people out to be fertilized, you know, and then come back to the, the community to make it blossom. Exactly. And then you kill your baby daddy. And this is the cycle and we have honey and everything is fine. What I thought was so interesting was all the cover ups that everyone was trying to do to kind of keep this mystery like alive for him. And back to the ideas of do they seek out cops particularly? I feel like maybe they do in a way that is because they know that cops like the mystery and they like the chase and they like solving the mystery and they like feeling important and they like all of these things. And I think they leave little clues and little things like this for Nick Cage to do and find. Like when he see find like when he goes down into that like water tunnel, like yeah valley i don't know and he gets like trapped under there and he finds like the sweater and then he he digs the grave and he finds like the burned doll and like he's finding all these like little clues that's helping him piece it together kind of like they were just laying there planted out for him to get him to the spot that they need like everything is way more orchestrated than he believes and that what i think we're led to believe as viewers it feels like this is something that they do all the time like it seems like the kid was like maybe five or six. I don't know. I don't know children's ages. Every child looks exactly the same. Um, like five or six. And then it's like, okay, so you wait five years and then you lure this guy back to save his daughter that he doesn't know is his daughter. You reveal that, which also is another manipulation in the mystery of like getting him emotionally invested because like at some point, like a cop is like, okay, I'm going to find this kid. I'm going to find this kid. I'm going to find this kid it's not my kid, but like, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to like protect children, whatever. And then you see the flip after him and Willow have the conversation where she kind of lets it slip that it's their child together. And he's like, my kid, da, da, da. And I think it's so funny when like, he has no relationship with Ronan, right? He has no relationship with his daughter, but then like he expects her to trust him enough because he saves him. He's like, come on, my dear, come on, let's do this. Follow me, come to me. And it's like, she has no relationship with you. Like, she doesn't know you. Like, yeah, biologically, like, you're her father. But what does that mean to her? She doesn't know. She she knows her mom. She knows her grandma, who's, like, the most powerful person in this community. And she knows all these women and all these other kids that are supporting and laughing at men. Why, why would she trust you? So I, I thought that was so arrogant on Nick Cage's part. But I think it kind of shows, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it shows how, like, I'm not a parent, obviously, and I'm obviously not a man. But how like men kind of view like their attachments to children. I don't know, as a father and as a man, what 
what do you think? So for me, uh, I haven't seen my daughter in 10 years. So I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I'm your father. Because she doesn't know me. So, I, so I'd be like, you know, you, you, I'd have to reestablish a relationship. And would it be a fatherly relationship? Well, I haven't been a father. So, I mean, I couldn't really do that. It would be more like, you know, I'd have to build, build the trust and the bond before I could even, you know, say I'm your dad. I mean, you have to build. Just because you have a child doesn't make you a parent. Being a parent is the one who raises the child, teaches the child, and does the right things by the child. And, um, you know, Nicolas Cage, I mean, not by his own fault, he wasn't with the child, so he can't be faulted that he wasn't a father. I mean, if he was a father, he probably would have tried to be with the kid. But but to just expect the child to be like, oh, sure, whatever you say, I'm going to come with you. Uh, no, that's like, that's what sick people on the streets think when they kidnap kids. They're like, oh, I'm just going to take this child and it's going to come with me. So, sorry, Nick Cage, your character was wrong incredibly so incredibly so and then like we see this again when he's like the the ronin obviously runs to willow and then he's like no come to me come to me and she's like no mom didn't i do good like this is my mother like i'm gonna go by who i know so i thought it was very interesting um one thing when if we want to talk back to fertility one scene that happens very quickly and briefly but i think is very important is the scene where nicholas cage is walking through the the island and the commune and he sees the like not parade but like the line of all these pregnant women that are like walking. And I think it was really interesting because it sounds like once a year they do this fertility ceremony. So they do the birth and birth and death ceremony. And um, I think all these women, when they become a certain age, go out into the world to get pregnant so they can be pregnant at the same time for this ceremony. So then in five years time or six years time, they can then all sacrifice these men ritualistically and I think at different times like there's no way you can have all these like random men coming at one time in the island because then they'll be like they'll band together and that would defeat the purpose of them being able to more subtly manipulate them yeah there's a lot of things that like for me play back to each other like when he first arrives on the island they're carrying a burlap sack with something in it moving and then at the end and he's being carried in that burlap sack and I thought that was kind of cool and then there's another part that like now that I think about it I should have realized that he was being played is when he looks at the the list of like the mids uh, not mids but the the girls that are like for the um the traditional holidays and like every picture has the girl except for the one that's broken and it's on the ground and the glass is on the ground and she goes oh it broke last night so if it broke last night like if you look at the way everything's done they clean they they make sure everything's methodically like spark, um, spotless but the glass is on the ground they would have never left the glass on the ground so. They would have never left the glass on the ground. This is another subtle way that they are playing this cop into being like, oh, you're figuring out the mystery. Like, you saw the glass because it broke. Oh, my God, how could I not clean? Like, it's all so subtle, like, manipulation that, honestly, like, I think is, like, pretty cool and fun. And I think we see this again, too, with Lily Sobieski. Um, she's obviously a minor character in the role, but we see how she kind of plays to the vulnerabilities and, like, the ego of men. Because in when she's talking to Nick Cage, um, at one point, she's like, when you leave, will you take me with you? And he kind of like is taken aback by this and he kind of thinks about it and he's like, uh, I don't know. And then we see that her repeat that same phrase when she's talking to James Franco, kind of this like disarming sort of like, oh, you're the big strong man. Take me with you. I'll follow you. Like, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, and I think that is taught to them as a way to get these men to do what they need, which is have sex with them and impregnate them. Yeah, 100%. Every man likes his ego tweaked. I mean, 
And it's like, I'm a guy. Listen, guys, I'm sorry, but it's true. Every man likes to have his ego stroked. You know, I mean, if I'm sitting in a place and some, you know, a lady says to me, oh, you know, you're very handsome. You know, my little chest pops out. I get the, you know, the shoulders throw back. I'm like, well, I thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I can totally see them playing these people's ego. And, uh, you know, and he was in the bar and he's like, yo, I can't get no one. There's no one here. And then they walk in and he's like, oh, oh, look at them. You know, and he goes over with his friend and, you know, he wants that, you know, ego stroke. Exactly. And I think and I think, too, it's like, I don't know, it's so easy to do it, even if like you don't like men are so stupid. And I'm saying that in a very blanket general way. Obviously, there are probably some good ones out there. Um, But (laughs) in the sense of this film and for the conversation, men are stupid and easily manipulated and not as smart as they think they are because look what happened at cage look what's gonna happen to james franco and honestly probably jason ritter too like where i was i took that as well as like okay lily sobieski this is like her first time doing it and then we have willow there as well and she's with jason ritter and like maybe she'll do it again too like they have to have kids they have to keep going you know what i mean i don't know yeah it's kind of funny because uh, i watched this and then it had jason ritter and then i just watched gen v and 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 he's in it. Yeah, he's in it. He's he's on the television set. And he's like, stop talking to me, fake my John Ritter. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, this is great. So I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, uh, he looks just like his dad. Oh my god. R.I.P. John Ritter. But Jason Ritter looks just like his dad. And I do like Jason Ritter as an actor. To me, it was kind of like a jump scare to see both him and James Franco at the end. It was kind of like when we watched Phone Booth and Ben Foster was like in the beginning of it. I was like. Who who is who is your agent right now? Like, why are you in this movie? I don't know. And that was very funny. Well, The Wicker Man. Would I recommend it? I would say if you want to have a laugh and you want to watch Nicolas Cage overact and you want to just have a silly, goofy time, absolutely watch this movie. Is it scary? Immediately, no. I was not. There's not points of tension. There's not. It's more of a, it's like a cop mystery. Yeah, I 100% agree. But, you know, if you watch this in Midsummer, you will be able to take parts of both of them and be like, oh, this is, you know, how, how they intertwine with each other, like the different aspects of the, both movies like that work together. I mean, you can definitely see it. I thought that's the one reason that I liked The Wicker Man and Midsummer because, like, I was putting them together. Like, I'd see the bear costume, and I'm like, oh, my God, the bear costume! You know, and, like, that the fact that nature plays a big part in both societies, like, and fertility. And there's just so much, and, like, the part when they go into the school and they're like, what are men? They're like, phalluses, you know. <laughs> I started just dying. I'm like, oh, my God. I honestly did start dying when that happened. And I was like, I'm going to become a teacher just so I can start teaching this to little girls. <laughs> Fuck it. I love it. <laughs> He's like, what are you teaching these kids? They're seven years old. <laughs> phalluses. I thought it was very funny. But I do think everything was, like, very leading. And I do think the little girls are very aware of what's going on. Like, we can see it because they're all kind of like taunting him at some points, especially like when he opens up the desk and he's like, whose desk is that? Whose desk is that? And they're like, it's just a desk. And he opens it up like a crow comes out. He's like, why are you letting these girls torture a crow? It's like all very funny. And then like, obviously he's like, show me your ledger. Like, and he sees the name scra- scratched out. Like every clue that was there that he felt like he was revealing and finding was like, I think very laid out for him. I don't think he was as... I'm not that he's not a good cop or like a good detective or whatever, but I just don't think the mystery was as hard to solve when all the clues are laid out for you to find in a certain manner to continue the manipulation to get you to that end goal of being in the Wicker Man. 
I don't know though. I will say if you're gonna watch this or Midsummer, watch Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent agree on that one. If you have to flip a coin, don't flip the coin. Put the coin down. Just watch Midsummer. But I mean, I do love a good folk horror. If you guys have any good folk horror um, suggestions, another movie that could kind of play into this as well, even though it's a different type of folk horror, is I would say The Witch or The Vich. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, with Anya Taylor Joy, um, I think that is a great kind of like spooky witch based again horror and it's like okay we get it women are evil and they're witches but guess what men are stupid (laughs) so obviously we're doing a bunch of like creepy spooky scary movies in october if you guys have any fun suggestions let us know we do have some things on the docket but anything that we don't know would be really fun um we're doing a little bit more of american films right now but we could always branch out horror comes from any culture i mean there are horrors that live inside all of us. And I think to have horror. So I like horror movies a lot because when I watch them, it helps me deal with my anxieties in a way that I feel like I cannot in a real world. And to watch someone be able to overcome their anxieties and overcome their fears and defeat what they consider like the big bad, I think is very cathartic. Um, this is why I watch horror movies. Ben, why do you watch horror movies? Because they're scary. <laughs> <laughs> You want to, to basically because they're scary. I'll be honest with you, like I, 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 I'm not a. I, I like adventure movies. I like horror movies, but I'm more like I'm more of like a romantic comedy kind of guy. I mean, like I'm like the total polar opposite. Like I'm a guy's guy, I think, but like I love romantic comedies. Like I love Meg Ryan. I think Meg Ryan is amazing, and when Harry Met Sally, and you know, um, when a man loves a woman. And I just find those more more appealing to me. They're like they're more fun. I like fun movies. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. I think I think I I totally agree with that. I think too. But at the end of the day, but especially with like romantic comedies, learning and talking about and wanting love is so primal and so desirable for us. I mean, romantic love is what we're all searching for, right? Like at some point, like we all want that. From like the songs of the troubadours to like romantic comedies to like pop songs now like everyone it seems like is yearning and searching for some kind of connection and I think that that is important and I think you get something different in horror because you're seeing the different side of the human condition what will you do when you're pushed to the limits of yourself right oh 100 percent. like I, I like horror movies don't get me wrong I grew up watching them all my life I mean I think they're amazing I used to watch Creature of a Feature and like a, and um though I absolutely love horror movies and we just watched the the last voyage of the Demeter and that was amazing. I, I, I love the fact that they went back and hit on a part of Dracula that was just the one chapter, but they actually got like a lot out of it. So got to watch that. Honestly, I, okay, like maybe we'll cover this movie because I also love The Last Voyage of the Demeter and I love Dracula and maybe we could do Dracula Untold or Dracula 2000. Honestly, I love Dracula. Um, I, I was also into Twilight. Like maybe I just love vampires. <laughs> I don't know. But Yeah, so guys, check it out. Uh, Keep listening to us. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do what we do without you. Yeah, any thoughts, Ben? Shout out to Saudi Arabia. Shout out to Ghana and Nigeria. You guys listening to us and you're making us on your charts. So we love the fact that you guys are charting us. And uh, America, step up, America. You got to get us on your charts. Exactly. And um, we'll be plugging this for the um, the next few episodes coming up. But we are doing a live show. If you guys are in the New England area, we will be in Lynn, Mass on October 21st. We're going to be at the Lynn Public Library uh, doing a little live show and talking about Ben's book, HodgePodge. Um, we had done this a few months back, so we are doing it again. A little mini book tour. Um, so if you are in the area and able to come by, come by. Talk to us. 
Tell us how much you love the podcast or how much you hate it and what movies you want to see. Uh, we're, like we said, we're here for you guys. Peace. And catch us next time on What's Happening.